Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 4 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 78 is entitled The Language of Liberty, Part 2. In Part 1, I use as my example the Congressional Argument over the Parents' Bill of Rights Act. In this podcast, I shall use as my example the hearing before the Subcommittee on Civil Rights and Civil Liberties of the Committee on Oversight and Reform. House of Representatives, 117th Congress. The following is the opening statement. The Biden administration took power only two weeks after the January 6th insurrection. That day, the whole world watched the stormtroopers of violent white supremacy act as the vanguard of a mass violent political insurrection against the government of the United States that smashed our windows invaded our capital, wounded and injured more than 140 police officers and Metropolitan Police Department officers, and left several people dead. The protest that turned into a riot and an insurrection has been promoted and incited by then-President Donald Trump. A verification of the 140 police officers who were wounded or injured was not given. Neither did they distinguish between those who were wounded and those who were merely injured. Neither was the identification of the several people murdered given. It has since been proven that President Donald Trump was innocent of the charge of inciting a riot on January 6th, just as it was proven that he was innocent of the charge of Russian collusion. The charges were not just an error in judgment. They were lies consciously promoted by the left to discredit Trump. With the above introduction, one can only imagine that what follows will not be an objective look at terrorism in America. Though that is the stated purpose, the true theme is to destroy Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans who support him. What Hillary Clinton, former presidential candidate, referred to in her campaign speech four years earlier as the basket of deplorables, the racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, you name it. The committee dominated by the left referred to as domestic terrorists, violent extremists, and white supremacists. They call the mob well-trained battalions of domestic violent extremists, nearly toppling the peaceful transfer of power in our country. The most dangerous domestic terror threat facing America today. The most persistent and lethal threat in the homeland. They continued. We are facing an unprecedented situation in which political leaders, up to and including a former president, meaning Trump, have been actively promoting corrosive anti-democratic messages that circulate paranoia, cynicism, and violence. This cesspool of conspiracy thinking is activating unstable individuals predisposed because of a mixture of ideological grievances and personal disappointments to commit violence. Notice the hyperbole of cesspool of conspiracy thinking. They hiss their words with venomous tongues. 
the alliteration of sibilant sounds is literally spit out of their mouth. Trump actually called for a peaceful demonstration, but that was left out by the press and, of course, by the Democrats in Congress. In this podcast, I shall analyze the language of the 117th session of the committee listed above. The pretense of the meeting is to address violence in the United States. The actual content of the meeting proves otherwise. It was an attempt to impeach Donald Trump, though he was already out of office, and to attack his supporters, now referred to derogatorily as MAGA Republicans, as if it were a swear word. The contents of the meeting are far too long to cover assertion by assertion, therefore I shall summarize. The term white supremacy was used over 50 times. It took the following forms. White supremacists, white Christian nationalists, white supremacist extremists, white supremacist violence, white supremacist and militia-based violent extremists, white supremacy and domestic terrorism, white supremacist, anti-Muslim and anti-government extremists on the far right, white nationalist, white supremacist and other forms of violent extremist, white supremacists commit massacres that target people of color, religious minorities and others, white supremacist violence at the hand of domestic terrorists, White supremacy is a systemic threat to our nation, to our democracy, and specifically to marginalized communities. White supremacist and far-right anti-government groups to satisfy President Trump's desire to target so-called Antifa activists. White supremacist extremists and far-right militia extremists white supremacy and right-wing militia extremism, white nationalists infiltrating police departments, white nationalists in local law enforcement, white supremacists infiltration of our law enforcement, white supremacy and hate crimes, white supremacist ideologies are a cancer to our society and clear threat to the nation. I hope you notice the subtlety of the phrase, white supremacy is a systemic threat to our nation, to our democracy, and specifically to marginalized communities. According to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, systemic describes what relates to or affects an entire system. For example, a systemic disease affects the entire body or organism, and systemic changes to an organization have an impact on the entire organization, including its most basic operations. The Democrats are claiming that all white people are racist. In other words, it is systemic in white people to be racist. It is a disease inherent in their genes. Some have claimed that people of color cannot be racist. Only whites can be racist, and all whites are racist by inheritance. It is very serious when the Congress of the United States of America, dominated by the left, treats all white people as systemic racists and therefore enacts laws and makes policies to punish systemic racism. During the dark days of true racism, the signs read, Whites only. They appeared in the South of my childhood. In today's dark days of true racism, the signs read, People of color only. Authorized by the United States government, and they are on every major news network, and in Congress, and in the White House, and in the FBI, and in the Justice Department. Racism simply changed colors. But racism has never been about color. Racism is and always has been about power. 
The subcommittee meeting was a racist attack against white people, but it was not just to attack white people. It was to attack Donald Trump and his MAGA followers. The name of Trump was brought up 14 times, always in a derogatory manner. For example, Countering violent extremism in the Trump era, it detailed how the Trump administration's obsession with Antifa hindered federal law enforcement attempts to counter the rising tide of right-wing violence. In other words, by highlighting the violence of Antifa, Trump is distracting from the violence of white supremacists. Therefore, Trump should be silenced. Can you see the bigotry? Rather than address violence in the hundreds of riots attributed to Antifa, it only attacks the January 6th riot attributed to Trump and his supporters and ignores the multiple violent riots of Antifa. Antifa means anti-fascism. Therefore, when Cortez called the Parents' Bill of Rights Act fascist, she is inviting Antifa to riot. The language of the left has little connection to reality. It is emotionally driven. Giving parents the right to know what their children are being taught in school hardly meets the criteria of fascism, as defined by the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Webster defines fascism as a political philosophy, movement, or regime, such as that of the fascist, that exalts nations and often race above the individual, and that stands for a centralized autocratic government headed by a dictatorial leader, severe economic and social regimentation, and forcible suppression of opposition. There is no connect whatsoever between the language of our congressional leaders and the issues facing our country. The minutes contain the following language. 1. The report detailed how personal and other resources were diverted from investigations into white supremacists and far-right anti-government groups to satisfy President Trump. 2. How Trump focus on Antifa distracted attention from the far-right threat. 3. The protests that turned into a riot and an insurrection had been promoted and incited by then-President Donald Trump. 4. And yet Trump's big lie unified these disparate, violent groups into a mass street movement to stop the steal and storm the Capitol to interrupt the counting of Electoral College votes for the very first time in the history of the United States, nearly toppling the peaceful transfer of power in our country. The attack on the Capitol was deplorable, inexcusable, and not to be condoned. Nevertheless, to say that a relatively small mob nearly toppled the peaceful transfer of power in our country is, of course, hyperbolic nonsense. If our nation were that fragile, it would have been toppled decades ago. And the claim that Trump caused the riots, as with the other claims of the left, has proven to be false. The favorite word of the committee was extremism. Its variations appear in 76 times, all using hyperbole. The following are examples taken from the minutes of the meeting. 1. Countering violent extremism in the Trump era. 2. The Rise of Domestic Extremism in America. 3. Efforts to Weed Out Extremists in Law Enforcement. 4. Meet Resistance to Address the Rise in Domestic Violent Extremism. 5. The Well-Trained Battalions of Domestic Violent Extremists consisted of Proud Boys, Oath Keepers, Three Percenters, Hugh Annan Followers, Aaron Nations, Boogaloo Boys, 
armed militiamen, white Christians, nationalists, and other violent extremists. 6. Our government has finally woken up to the need to combat comprehensively and effectively white supremacists and militia-based violent extremism. On that day, militia groups and other violent extremists led an attack on our capital, and the battle flag of the Confederacy, the symbol of white supremacy, was brought into the halls by force for the first time in American history. In recent years, domestic terror attacks by white supremacists, anti-Muslim, and anti-government extremists on the far right have surged. 7. We see this threat within both homegrown violent extremists, or HVEs, who are inspired by foreign terrorist groups and domestic violent extremists, or DVEs, whose inspiration stems from domestic influences. 8. As has been alluded to earlier in the hearing, the top threats we face are from those we categorize as racially or ethically motivated violent extremists, as well as anti-government or anti-authority violent extremists. Keep in mind that all the organizations listed above are meant to be tied to Trump and the mega-Republicans. The committee is very short on facts. Granted, the minutes of the meeting are not page-turners. It is like Robert's Rules of Order applied to a kindergarten class. It is like applying order to a hoarder's house. Everything is piled, but nothing is organized. For a complete coverage, if you have nothing else to do, let me suggest you listen to or read the entire minutes of the meeting. For economy's sake, I shall pick three examples. Example 1. The FBI has more than doubled the number of domestic terrorism investigations, so that reflects the increased threat level that we are seeing. That is supposed to mean something, and it would until you realize that the investigation applies only to conservatives. One preacher was arrested for holding a peaceful demonstration before an abortion clinic. Parents who voice their views at school board meetings are now designated by the Justice Department as white domestic terrorists. Churches are now under suspicion. Everyone who disagrees with the left are now considered domestic terrorists. It is no wonder that the FBI has more than double the number of domestic terrorism investigations. Example 2. My own district in South Carolina, 1st Congressional District, has witnessed the horrors of domestic terrorism. Six years ago this summer, a Nazi-worshipping white supremacist by the name of Dylan Roof killed nine black church members at Mother Emanuel. This horrific experience, trauma, horrific event, this tragedy inspired me and countless others in untold ways to work to root out the worst evils in our community. In Charleston and our state of South Carolina, we decided to root out the evil, and there is no room for racism in Charleston, in South Carolina, or our country. I am a native of South Carolina. Everything the congressperson said was true. The Landstorm Roof is an American white supremacist, neo-Nazi, and mass murderer. What he did horrified any sensible person. He perfectly fits the description. The problem, however, is the context of the congressperson's statement. They have just called Donald Trump, mega-Republicans, and all white people systemic racists. 
domestic terrorists, white supremacists. Can you see the disconnect? They're comparing the actions of a heartless murderer to all white conservatives who supported Donald Trump, or who oppose the agenda of the left, or who take interest in their children's curriculum, or who oppose abortion, or who oppose gay marriage, or who oppose transgenderism, or who oppose the entire woke agenda. It is dangerous for members of our Congress to be so irrational. That incites riots. That validates Antifa. Remember the death threats against the members of the Supreme Court who voted against Roe v. Wade? Remember the assaults on conservative members of Congress in restaurants? Remember the Vice President of the United States who said the riot should not stop? They're not going to stop, Harris said at the time. This is a movement, I'm telling you. They're not going to stop, and everyone beware, because they're not going to stop. They're not going to stop before Election Day in November, and they're not going to stop after Election Day. Everyone should take note of that on both levels. They're not going to let up, and they should not, and we should not. Read the actual language of Kamala Harris, the Vice President of the United States, not the spin by the liberal news. Now, imagine if Trump had used the same words to the rioters of January the 6th. Do you need to be told the outcome? Or imagine if Trump had used the language of Maxine Waters, who encouraged supporters to harass Trump administration officials. She said, Let's make sure we show up whenever we have to show up. And if you see anybody from the cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them, and you tell them you're not welcome anymore, anywhere. If Donald Trump had used either of those things, he would have been prosecuted for inciting to riot. Example 3. There's no familiar saying, where the rubber meets the road. It is often referred to as the moment of truth. The race doesn't begin until the cars are lined up, or the athletes hear the pistol. There's a little moment of truth revealed in the following question to the committee. As I was preparing for this hearing and being on a subcommittee chaired by Mr. Raskin, you got to be prepared. I was actually kind of shocked to discover that there was not a lot of good data out there that I could find on domestic terrorism. So I have a few questions that I would like to try to quantify some of this. And this is the sixth hearing on white supremacy in this series. So I would be interested to hear from Mr. Cohen first. Understanding that statistics might be difficult to quantify, are you able to sort of give us an estimate on the number of casualties due to domestic terrorism overall in the U.S. over the last 10 or 20 years? I read somewhere in one study it was around 250. That seems kind of low to me, not accurate. Are we talking hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands? Do we know the number of casualties due to domestic terrorism? They couldn't answer the question. They were caught flat-footed without data. And as the author said, this is the sixth hearing on white supremacy in this series. Yet they didn't have data to support their argument. The absolute best line and the only humorous line challenged them on how they define domestic terrorists. I think that from a shift perspective, our counterterrorism strategies in the past focused on combating activities of foreign-based organizations who sought to introduce operatives into the U.S. to carry out attacks. 
What we are dealing with now, as we have discussed, has more to do with lone individuals who self-connect with ideological beliefs that they acquire through their online activity. It actually wasn't really reported that widely, so I will explain this scene, if you will. If there is a black man walking down the street who is running for the governor's mansion in the state of California, and a white man in a gorilla mask assaults him on the street, does the FBI consider that white supremacy and or domestic terror? So again, any act of violence that would be committed against an individual as a result of an ideology of the individual. So we would have to look at the motivation of that individually, or possibly also a hate crime. We work with the Department of Justice to identify the particulars. I don't think the committee recognized it, but their entire argument on domestic terrorism dissolved, making the meeting meaningless. Their unstated purpose was to condemn Donald Trump, his MAGA supporters, and all white conservatives who oppose the woke agenda of the left. True domestic terrorists are a very complex group and must be dealt with either individually, in such cases as Stellan Roof, a lone wolf, or groups such as Antifa, or other groups who, as a group, committed terrorist acts. The blanket attack against so-called white domestic terrorists fell apart. It was because the purpose was disingenuous to begin with. It was merely a platform to give the left a chance to rant against conservatives and had nothing to do with true domestic terrorism. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.